Good morning, church. I'm glad to be with us this morning. Considering the story Jesus tells of two sons. And the story that Jesus tells of two sons and their relationship comes at the end of a series of what you might call a shift in the behavior of Jesus. That is, if you grew up with thinking gentle Jesus, meek and mild. But the story is set in the parables of the kingdom and told within the last week of Jesus's life. I believe that what is on a person's mind when they come to the final act of their lives is in many ways the rule book by which they have monitored their life and relationships. And if we are lucky to know when someone is going to die, we pay special attention to those final words and hang on to those words for dear life. The chapter begins with a triumphant entry into Jerusalem followed by the cleansing of the temple and the cursing of the fig tree, as we know. When his authority is questioned by the chief priests and elders of the people, he pushes back with a question of his own, challenging their right to require an answer of him. So Jesus refuses to give them a direct answer to their question. Instead, I think he gives them a question, a question or an answer to the real question in their hearts. Why did they challenge Jesus' authority to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey amid cheers from the crowd? Why did they challenge his right to throw a fit at the misuse of the temple and curse the fig tree. Perhaps they understood what was going on and chose to continue the pretense. And I believe the pretense was what angered Jesus most of all. They had read the scriptures and knew the king would come on a donkey. And they knew exactly the scripture Jesus quoted about the temple being used for illegal trade and a hideout for thieves. And if Jesus was possibly the one longed for Messiah of Israel, then all bets were off. Perhaps they knew that they were the ones Jesus cursed and the fig tree was just illustrated. In Jewish tradition, a cursed fig tree referred to Israel. But the response of the children to Jesus when he rode into Jerusalem, and the fact that the people were turning to him, suggests that the fig tree here meant the Jewish authorities. Their reaction shows that they got the message. They were the ones 
with all the showiness and no substance. Flare like the abundant leaves on the fig tree with no fruit to show for it. People live on fruit, not leaves. You see, it is their pretense, the showing themselves to be what they knew they were not, that irked Jesus. Their response, however, confirms Jesus' assessment of those who read the law and the prophet and should know better. But they still didn't get it. Their knowledge was more for sure and to lord it over the people who looked to them for guidance. And it was clear they were not about to share that authority. This is how the land lies, Jesus was telling them. The mountains are being leveled and the valleys are being filled in. What do you think? Those considered outside who have not read the law and the prophets, the know-nothings are being drawn into the kingdom as they change their mind. What do you think? Jesus asked the scribes and the elders of the people as he gives them one more chance to change their mind. What do you think? What do you think? Listen to the story about two sons. Go figure, he tells them. About two sons. Jesus is referring in this case and in this culture to people with equal standing with their father and everything the father has. If you heard any hierarchical ordering in the first and second son, then you misheard and brought your own prejudice to the story because Jesus is talking about the kingdom and there is no one up or down in this kingdom. We know what Jesus was doing here. But I have always wondered why Matthew chose to retell the story, especially since he's the only gospel writer who recalls this particular story. The Matthean church has been traditionally dubbed the Jewish church. And so perhaps the Matthean church may have been going through something to warrant Matthew alone telling us the story. What do you think? Matthew's Jesus asked the scribes and elders at the end of the story. And since I at least as teacher occupy this space vocationally, I'm going to speculate here and say Jesus asked me what I thought. So here goes. First, there is an equal invitation given to both sons and the words of the invitation are the same. Go work in the vineyard. The difference is in the responses. But much more, I think, 
is the reason for the differing responses. The first son said a flat out no, directly to the father's invitation to work in the vineyard. No finesse, uh, no bayohi, leave, no scratching of head, no excuse me, and no that sounds like, you must be kidding me, me work in the vineyard. Then we're told he changes his mind and goes. I wonder what made him change his mind. I read the story in the amplified version for this sermon. The second son's response to the father is, I will serve, but he did not go. Did the second son say yes, intending to perform the task and was unable, or said yes politely to save face and appear to be good? Perhaps having the appearance of being good was more important than even the relationship with the father. Perhaps he did not think beyond sounding the words that will please the father. You know, that surface living that some of us can be caught in. And it makes you wonder about his relationship with the father and what he thought of the father. And if he even knew the father at all. Doesn't that make you wonder? Did not Paul say some of us have the appearance of godliness? but none of the power that supports and flows from it. Like the fig tree with the showy leaves and no fruit. The sun represents those who have all the knowledge there is about God, but do not know God. They are happy to parade such show of goodness before God and others, demonstrating that they do not know the one who searches all The second son, who should know better from whence Jesus' authority and thus follow him in the kingdom, is the one posturing and questioning and happy to be seen as obedient, all the while refusing to say a complete yes to the invitation. The first son had none of the pretension because his assessment of himself was perhaps born of self-knowledge of his unworthiness to be invited. And then with a renewed self-knowledge born of the father's loving gesture, he could say both a sure no and change his mind and say yes. You see the difference? The one who knows himself and knows the father, can say no and yes, assured of the father's love. Within the certainty of love, both responses are welcome. You don't get rejected for being yourself in real community. Only in a full or false community do you have to be so careful that you lie your way through life 
and play a role without relief. Did you notice the reversal in the story? The first son, the composite of prostitutes, tax collectors, also known as sinners, is the one who says a clear no and then goes ahead and does the work required. I'm still speculating here, but it is possible that the son looked at the enormity of the task and thought, I can't do it. I think even God would appreciate such a move for we are invited to count the cost before we take the plunge. Jesus tells another parable of people building a house. But I think something more is going on here in this Marthian church from which the story comes. The tax collectors and prostitutes were flocking in because they could tell this Jesus person was the real deal. And they know his authority came from above. But the scribes and elders would not allow them to fully own and express what they were coming to know and being convicted of with each encounter with Jesus. Perhaps they were browbeating into saying no the first time by the hyper-righteousness of the ones who believed the kingdom was for them because they studied the rule book of the kingdom. Perhaps they knew they were unworthy to be called to work in the vineyard. They had taken a proper measure of themselves and said no. But then thought, yet love calls us. Yet we must have this work to live in this life. No pretension, no parading in the false appearance or persona of a good person. They took a look, a good look at the empty and false self-righteousness and decided to switch from the fear-based no to the faith-based yes. What do you think Jesus asked? Jesus doesn't end the story. He leaves it to us and bids us enter in. Knox Spadina, what do you think? It is so easy to read the story of the two sons and assume, especially since we are Christians, that we are like neither son. After all, we have said yes to God. We are even here at church, aren't we? But I suspect it is more that we are a composite of both sons. Our behavior hardly matches our words and the faith we profess. Is not that the case? For the work we are invited to 
is not something to do. The work we are invited to is full obedience. I have capitalized it in my script here. Is full obedience to God. Full and always, not sometimes. And we are to believe Jesus is who he says he is and yield to his authority. But so often it is the case that we flirt with giving full authority over to God in our lives. And then we also flirt with whether Jesus is truly all divine and all human at the same time. And most of all, we are always guilty of looking for outsiders to the grace of God from within the church, the very household of God. Have we not, by the ways in which we wield the word of God, prevented people from following after God and saying yes to the invitation to be full sons and daughters of grace? What about when it comes to the daily tasks of the church life? Who is welcome to join in the work? Whose desire to work and whose gifts do we see as fully acceptable? Are there some of us tiptoeing around the corridors of grace and the church because we are not sure we are full sons and daughters who can say yes, no, yes, maybe, and know that we are loved? Whichever we are, there is good news for us all. Because by leaving the story open ended, Jesus asked us to step in and experience it for ourselves. To both types of sons and daughters, just in case you want to check yourself out if you are like me. Jesus has taken our feeble attempts at understanding and believing and obeying into his body and done the full, complete, at once obedience on our behalf. Jesus has folded our obedience and disobedience into his larger obedience and honored the Father on our behalf. So we are fresh out of excuses. If someone makes you feel less than acceptable at church, go anyway. They did the same to Jesus. And in obedience to his father's command, he kept showing up and doing his work and saying what had to be said. He is our exemplar. If you are the one who holds on to your life and making sure you're living by the book, 
than an inch. And sometimes with such high standards, even God can't meet it. So you can please God. And by so doing, you miss grace. Keep coming to church anyway and watch God surprise you with the joy of letting go. Brothers and sisters, this is the story. We want to aim at matching our actions to words, but we want to do that in love because love is felt obedience. Love and obedience go together is what Jesus was saying. And we want to stop the posturing and be ourselves. We want to grow towards becoming what we say. We want to be those living authentically before ourselves and others and God without fear. As we gather as children of God by grace, daily or as often as we need, we'll find by the Spirit's help that our words and our actions will begin to match. Because the spirit of truth, who convicts of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, is the one at work in us and among us. Then, church, we will become something to behold. Not showy leaves with no fruit and substance, but what people can come to and find the one who lives and through whose life all can live. The zeal of the Lord will do this, and I'm sure already doing this among us. As we turn to prayer, may I ask you again what Jesus asked. What do you think Jesus said? The story is not over. You enter and complete it. Two questions for our reflection. What is God asking you to do this season? And are you saying yes for sure? Are you saying no? for fear? Does your life match your words and the faith you profess? This is your invitation to enter the story and to pray. <clears throat>